Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Morant's fame 
as much if not more than his son. I have a problem with that. So after his family decided to wear hoodies to the game that said redemption, and after the game when John was asked about it, he said, well, it was my family's decision to make the jerseys and wear them. Red flag right there. It was my family's decision. So he's in a roundabout way distancing himself from it, but not really. But then he went on to say it's about all the negativity and the negative things that people have said and, and the way people have come at me. Let me get this straight. So you went on Instagram Live at the club, strip club, doesn't matter what type of club, though, um, and streamed yourself with a gun. You play in Memphis that has one of the highest gun murder rates in the entire country. You also, after a game, you were in your vehicle, and as the other team's bus was leaving, you had people putting red dots on the bus trying to, I don't know if they, they were attached to weapons or not, but basically trying to intimate that y'all had, that y'all had guns. Okay? You got into a, an altercation with a 17-year-old and then decided to go in the house, come back out with your gun, because apparently you need to look tough. The only way you can be tough is with a gun in your hand. Now, these are all choices that John Moran made. So I'm not going to say mistake. A mistake is when on a multiple-choice test when you, when you fill in B instead of C. That's a mistake. A choice is going in your house, getting a weapon, coming back out with the weapon to try to intimidate someone. That's a choice. And when John Morant was first talking about all of these things that had happened and, and the choices he had made, he kept using the word mistake. And I said then, I don't like that, that language because when you say mistake, what you're really doing is you're advocating responsibility. What you're really doing is saying, well, it's not my fault. You know, things happen. No, things don't happen. You make choices. And as, as a result of those choices, there are consequences, sometimes good, sometimes terrible. When you make a choice, when you make a decision, that's not a mistake. You can look back at it and say it was the wrong decision, but it was still a choice. It was still a decision that you made. In the moment. So I said, what I said was that it was going to be hard for him to set boundaries. Well, his family decided to wear this hoodie, which is a huge no. There's no redemption here, bro. Nobody came after you. In fact, you got off easy in the court of public opinion because you came out and admitted that you were having problems with your decision-making. You were having problems handling Everything that you were dealing with, the stress of being at 23, you're suddenly the head of the household because you're the breadwinner. You're not just the breadwinner for your household. You're the breadwinner for multiple households because you got your mom, your dad, uh, relatives, your daughter, friends, family, grandma, me, ma, Uncle Pookie, you know, cousin Joe, my whole boy from down the block who's always been there for me. You suddenly are the head of all of those households at 23 years old. That has to be overwhelmingly stressful. It has to be. It is overwhelming being the head of a household for your own household sometimes. And now you're the head of the household for multiple households at 23? At 23, everything you do, everything you say is dissected and picked apart 
You're on national TV all the time. Every freaking sports-talking head, knucklehead, has something to say about everything you do. And for whatever reason, in this age of sports media, people seem to put stock in the opinions of strangers. Well, this person on Twitter said I was stupid, and I got my feelings. Why, why people let that bother them is beyond me. Why you care about what some stranger says is beyond me. But these are the, this, is the, this is the reality of the world that we live in. So he went to try to address it and to get some tools to deal with this. And I'm going to get back to boundaries because there was no way he should have allowed his family to wear those hoodies. No way. But you really think he could say no to them? He's just now learning about boundaries. He's just now learning that he has to set them. And now you're asking him to tell his father and his mother, y'all can't wear that. Y'all can't do that. That's a bad look. And, of course, he didn't. And then he was the one who had to stand in front of the media, not them. And this is where I have an issue with his father. Why are you putting your Why are you Why are you putting your son in this situation? Why don't you have enough adult sense? This is your son. This is not your boy. This is not your buddy. Shame on you, T. Moran. Shame on you for putting your son basically in a no-win situation, literally on the heels of everything that's going on so that he has to answer more questions about something that has nothing to do with basketball. And this is what I talk about the misstep. This is where setting boundaries is hard. You know, growing up and being accountable, being responsible, the hardest part of it is setting boundaries and maintaining those boundaries, saying no to people that really matter to you. Not just, it's not just the toxic people that you have to set boundaries for. It's everybody to set boundaries and say, you know what, I'm just coming off of a situation where I created a lot of negative attention. You can't wear that hoodie. That is not helpful to me. And, of course, he couldn't do it. So now he's standing there, and he's parroting the words that they gave to him, and who's the only one, the only one dealing with the blowback? Him. I am not going to get on him for failing just to, to maintain his boundary because it's new to him. And I'm going to say this again, it's hard. It's hard to set boundaries and be forceful with your boundaries with the people you really care about, especially when you think they have your best interest at heart. But unfortunately, sometimes even your parents don't have your best interest at heart. You're significant, and it's not that they – are doing this intentionally, but they're not thinking about the ramifications that it's going to impact you with. They're only thinking, oh, I'm going to support you. So, no, 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 no. What should have happened, number one, was his father never should have suggested it. And if it were whoever suggested it, father should have been like, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. What we're going to do, we're going to go to the game, we're going to sit down, we're going to be quiet, and we're just going to support him. We are not going to draw attention to ourselves. We are not going to go look at me. But that's not what happened. And so now, once again, John Moran is in the spotlight for something that has nothing to do with basketball. And this is, again, these missteps are natural. They're supposed to happen. This is part of 
growing up. This is part of learning, responsibility and accountability. And unfortunately, this young man has to do it in front of the whole world. So shame on you, T. Morant. Shame on you for not being a father. Shame on you for taking advantage of your son's situation to to go look at me. You know what's funny? As much crap as Lonzo Ball got, okay, about his sons and, oh, he's out there and he's a terrible father, tell me the off-court misstep that one of the Ball sons has had. Tell me the situation that one of the Ball sons has gotten into away from the court that was negative. You can't think never, of one. Never. Can't think of one. And that's, all, that's my co-host, Mike. Oh, Mike, thanks for joining me. Go ahead and feel free to jump in, man. I just I figured I'd start with that while uh, you were doing your thing. But go ahead and jump in, man. You know, I'm kind of glad that's where you started. I've been listening the whole time. Just uh, wrapped up a long day. Been excited for this. I was like, thank you for going ahead and getting the start. I knew you'd be more than capable. Appreciate you for doing so. And the interesting thing about it is um, I had decided that when I read all that and I saw that this redemption thing, I decided that was the first topic that I was going to uh, bring up and have you speak on tonight because I had a feeling that you definitely were going to have uh, some strong opinions on that subject. So, uh, And I, I agree with you. I mean, there's nothing to be – there's no redemption. If you want to say – if you want to say new and improved or if you want to say – rehabilitated maybe or something like that maybe but redemption uh no i don't uh i don't really like that look right like and so i agree with you and i think at the end of the day like we have said multiple multiple times it's going to come down to his Father decided to be a father and actually give him parental advice. I, I hope, you know, I heard that he had a meeting with Adam Silver and some NBA brass and that the tone was stern but caring. I hope that, like, some of the things that they told him there, he took to heart and didn't walk away thinking, you know, y'all can't tell me nothing kind of thing and that he actually took some of it to heart because, I mean, once again, I still go back to the same thing. Um the choice is his. He can be one of the brightest stars in this league and have an incredibly, incredibly bright future, or he can flush it all down the tubes. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't care as much about what happens to him on the basketball court. I care more that he gets himself worked out, doesn't try to be hard when he's not, and put himself in situations where uh, you're gonna have, you could end up having a lot more to lose and have a lot more at risk than just a basketball career. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, and and you know, I always I can just use myself. Um, starting in 2016 through 2017, I made a series of horrible decisions horrible decisions and I suffered and I'm still suffering the consequences of that 
the people that mattered to me when I finally had to tell them what had happened, what I had done, what the consequences of my actions were. They were supportive of me, but no one ever said, well, Chandler, you made a mistake. They said, no, you made some choices, bro. You make some bad choices. That doesn't mean you have to stay there. And have I made relatively bad choices since? I absolutely have. Not as bad as time is going on as I've gotten more responsible. I make better choices, and now I understand when I'm, a, when I'm about to make a wrong choice. I may cross my head, listen, I'm about to do this. Really? Why do you want to do that? Well, because I'm mad. And what else you got? The people in your life have to be willing to tell you when you're wrong. But you also have to be, you have to learn how to tell them when they need to stop. You know, I had to kind of end the friendship with someone I've known for 25 years because I realized that we were toxic for each other. It's not that we don't care about each other. It's not that we don't want the best for each other. But whenever we have a conversation about anything other than surface stuff, we get into a huge argument. Then I get off the phone being pissed, she's going off the phone being pissed, and it's not helpful to either one of our lives. So we find such, you know what, man, we got to change the nature of our relationship. This is what we can talk about. This is what we can't talk about. Period, end of story. And then we didn't speak for like six months because we had to establish the ground rules and we had to ensure that we were willing to maintain them. This is someone who if I called her right now and said, I'm going to tell drop everything and drive from Virginia to upstate New York, and I would do the same. But we also have to maintain boundaries. And we're asking this young man to do this on the fly and not make any missteps, and it doesn't help that his father's a clown. Okay? <laughs> and I'm just going to put it like that. His father is a clown. And this is what's going to come of it because at this point, I honestly believe that before the middle of next season, John Moran's going to be suspended again. He's going to be suspended again. And, and I hate to say that, but until he stops using the word mistake and starts using the word choice, this ain't going to get better. It's not. Well, I, I'm going to half disagree with you because I, I get what you're saying. I do believe that people can – you can call it a mistake instead of a bad choice, but you have to be accountable for it and say, but these are the things that I'm in doing to ensure that it doesn't happen again. I agree with you that the proper wording should be it was a bad choice. Uh, but uh, a mistake, to me, it, it almost sounds like that you're equivocating mistake with accident, right? Like – I accidentally marked this answer when I should have done this one or whatever. Uh, but to me, it's okay to say I've made mistakes in my life, and and I'm taking full accountability for that. And here's what I'm doing to make sure that I don't make those bad decisions or bad choices again. It's okay to call it a mistake. But when you have multiple things that have happened, not just one, it's a series of mistakes. <laughs> I agree with you. It becomes I've made bad choices, right? But even if you want to own it, if you want to group it together, it's like I made a series of mistakes. Uh, but to me, once again, this is not accidental. This wasn't like you really thought long and hard about it and you chose this. 
you know, you're trying to imitate 17, uh, you're trying to uh, intimidate 17-year-olds. You're telling people, let me find out. I'm going to find out when you get off work. I'm going to come back up here and this and that and this. Uh, throwing a ball in a kid's face in a pickup basketball game, you know, flexing like that on, on you know, you know, like, no, that's not just a mistake. That, to me, that speaks to a character flaw, right? That speaks to uh, bad choices, and it, I think it does come back to upbringing to some extent. So hopefully, you know, unless and, and he accepts accountability and identifies what he can do to make these things better um, and to not repeat these things, I, I think you're right. I think he's going to be back in that same situation. I hope not because, you know, he got eight this time. If he gets suspended again, it might be that 50 that they were rumoring before. Yeah. And, again, it doesn't help that his father – is trying to be his buddy instead of his father, and that, and that's where I and that's why I think it'll happen. I think that it's going to be hard for him to separate from his family, and honestly, I think at this point that might be the best thing for him. When I say separate, I just mean look, pops, just I don't want you coming to the games no more. I don't want you coming to the games no more. I'll see you after the game. I'll come by, we can hang out, um, but I don't want you coming to the games no more. Well, you know what? I don't want you. I don't want you courtside. You go up in the in the suite, and then after the game, we'll meet up. We'll sit down. We'll talk. We'll have dinner. Whatever, whatever. That I think would be a huge step, but I don't think he's a capable of doing that. <clears throat> Dude, it's hard, man. You know this. You have family. It's hard. It is well, hard. the thing about it is, the thing about it is, the father has to realize too that okay, if you're enjoying this fame and you want to keep doing this, then you better be a father because, you know, we've heard the expression before, fame is fleeting. It's going to be mm. fleeting a lot faster if you don't, you know, get your house in order. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens going forward. But um, let's move off the, the terrible, well, <laughs> What 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 do we what do we uh, what would we call this? Um, the public the uh, consciousness portion of the program is brought to you by GrowTheHellUp.com. <laughs> let's talk some sports. <laughs> Mike, so are you we muted? Had, uh, yeah, I'm good now. Uh, and then real quick, let's go ahead and get a shout-out for PHI Apparel. Uh, and real quick, Reese Hoskins, torn ACL uh, as of today. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they left the possibility for Bryce Harper to possibly come back early as the de- designated hitter that they say don't expect until the All-Star break. But now you got Hoskins out as well. So what are they going to do at first base? We'll see. Um, but uh, if you want another – if you want his jersey or Trey Turner – or anybody else representing the Phillies, or the Sixers, or the NBA either. Uh, any of those guys, PHI Apparel, they have uh, unique designs that'll make sure you stand out in the crowd. Check them out. PHIapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEF at checkout, and that'll give you 15% off of any of your purchases. So check them out for any Philly fans or anybody that knows Philly fans. You want to get on their good side or whatever else, 
phiapparel.co. Promo code CHEFS at checkout. Get 15% off. Chandler, I know. Here's where I want to go first. And then we're going to hit uh, tournaments and stuff. And then I got a couple other uh, questions for you. But I know that you uh, were not a very big advocate of this World Baseball Classic. And we talked about it a couple times on this show. But I'm here to tell you that three of the last four games of this thing were super exciting and a lot of fun to watch. Um, Japan, Mexico in the uh, semifinals came down to uh, the very end. Randy Rosarena with some big showmanship, and then Japan pulled it out in the ninth inning when they needed two off of Gallegos from the Cardinals. Uh, the, the U.S. and Venezuela, listen, the Marlins just dreamed or hoped. I knew the U.S. would be a disadvantage, at a disadvantage because you got 100,000-plus Venezuelans in the Miami area, and they showed up and showed out. That place was rocking for all of these games. Uh, the Marlins wish they could draw crowds like that over a two-week period, mm. let alone for one game. Uh, <laughs> but the U.S. and Venezuela, really good game. Uh, Trey Turner goes crazy, hits the grand slam. Trey Turner hit like four home runs and seven at-bats in this thing. If the U.S. had won, Turner would have been the MVP. If if Mexico had won, it probably would have been Randy Rosarena. But then Japan, after the last inning comeback to beat Mexico, uh, come back the next night. Now, the only other semifinal game that wasn't close was USA-Cuba. That was like 14-2. to two. But the championship game the last night, uh, kind of back and forth a little bit. Japan jumps up. U.S. hits a home run to court within 3-2. Uh, Shohei Otani follows in you, Darvish. Something about honor with these guys, man. Like, Darvish has been in it before, but Otani being their best player right now and in some people's mind the best player in the world uh, comes in in the ninth, and he's got a tough tough road there. He, he walks uh, Jeff McNeil, but then he gets Mookie Betts to ground into a double play, and then he gets his teammate, who people have called one of the best players in the world. He's probably not that anymore, but he was the best player in baseball for several years. And he struck out his teammate. But, I mean, that was theater, man. Otani versus Trout, best on best, I feel like, in some ways, in the ninth inning, uh, 3-2 game. And, you know, hearing all the players, even from the teams that got banged up, the players gave that thing rave reviews. It was pretty exciting to see, like, intense intense baseball uh, in March. Well, I'm going to disagree with your characterization of how I feel. I just think that I hate the fact that there's no good time to play the WBC. I like the WBC. I hate the fact that there's no good time to play it. Because no matter what time of year you play it, you're looking at risking guys to to injury. Having said that, I thought the games were great. I'm a little sick of the overhyped, overblown matchup. Um, I've never felt Mike Trout was the best player in baseball, ever. Mike Trout was never even the best defensive center fielder in baseball. Kevin Kiermaier was better than him defensively by leaps and bounds by leaps and bounds, okay? And some of the stats that people want to use talking about, oh, he's greater than Mantle, are stats that have been made up. 
over the past few years. Okay? Miss me with war. Miss me with F war. Okay? Miss me with FIP. Miss me with all of that. There's batting average. There's home runs. There's RBIs. That's it. I, I will tell you what, I'll give you two stats that I care. I'll give you two stats that I care about a little bit. Um, now I don't know about how they combine them and how that kind of fits. I don't. That really matters much to me. But I do give, uh, and not just by itself. I mean, there has to be. You got to be able to. Uh, you got to be able to knock in runs and other things. But I do give on base percentage a little bit of credibility. Can you work walks? Can you work counts? Um, not give away a lot of easy outs. So I, I give on base percentage some credibility, <clears throat> and slugging percentage does give us an idea of like the type of power that a person has, or you know what they're doing with their hits. So <clears throat> those two stats, I give a little bit more credence to those than some of the other ones that you just mentioned. Okay, so Mike Trout hasn't played a full season in four years. He played full season in four years. So miss me with the, oh, my God, it's Otani versus Trout. Anybody who thought Otani wasn't going to strike Trout out has been watching baseball the past five years. Thought the bigger at that was McNeil. Because McNeil is a guy who is hard to get out. Jeff McNeil is one of the best hitters in baseball. That was a big at-bat to me. Well, I thought, okay. I, thought, I thought Betts was a bigger out than Trout, right? So you give up the walk. Because to me, if I need a guy to hit, like, listen, Trout missed some games last year, but he still hit 40 dingers in 119, or whatever, 119 games or something. So, you know, he had a good year, but he still didn't look like the same guy to me. But to me, uh, you you tell me to pick a guy to, you know, to start my franchise with right now between Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, I'm taking Mookie Betts. I'll be honest with you. Um, That being said, him getting that to me, him getting him to hit that Taylor made double play ball and erase the runner uh, that he just previously walked, that was bigger to me than the strikeout of Trout. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, it's just, listen, Mike Trout is a great player. His greatness has never translated to the Angels making the playoffs. Never has. Yeah, and, and that's I'll not to say that it's his, no, 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 hold on. That's not to say it's his fault or anything else. But at the end of the day, right? Because there's a lot of guys who were great players who were on teams that were absolute hot garbage, right? <laughs> um, and the biggest issue with the Angels has always been pitching. They never had any pitching while he was there. But I also have watched many games where, in big moments, Mike Trout has come up small. He has come up small in big moments for that franchise. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's true. And and it's not to, to listen, it was great theater. But stop trying to tell me it's the greatest moment in the history of baseball because it's not. I agree with that you. That was not the greatest moment in the history of baseball. Okay? I, I, agree. That is, that, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It was great theater. It was fun to see it. You know, an intense moment at this point. Not the greatest moment in the history of baseball. However, 
what I will say is this. I think, you know, I told you last week how I think you fix this thing, and, and when I think you play it and all this. But I will say that for the growth of the sport and, and for the betterment of the game, I do think that this World Baseball Classic needs to continue. I think if you do it in the summer, everybody's in peak form at that time. But I do think that for the betterment of the game, we have to realize that for better or for worse in some people's eyes, um, even though there's a lot more money in Major League Baseball, there are some things that are more that are as important, if not more important, than the regular season in Major League Baseball. I would agree with that. And, and if they really want to grow the game of baseball, stop, start showing the damn spring training games. You know how many spring training games you cannot watch that you can't watch? When you go to MLB.com or go to MLB Network, there's, they got some clown. They got that clown Chris Russo running his mouth. Instead of showing spring training games, you want to grow the damn game? Show the spring training games. Stop. There is absolutely no reason, none, that there are spring training games that when you go to the MLB app or, or the website, whatever, however you do it, MLB.tv, and it says not available. I'm sorry, they're playing the game. We know that that team's network people are down in either Florida or Arizona, if it's Grapefruit or Cactus League. We know you have your announcers there. So how is it that the game is unavailable? Why can't we watch the game? See, I want Rob Manfred to stop trying to internationalize the game and grow the damn game here first. There's a concept for you. Well, nobody's watching the games because the games aren't on. Games aren't on. You can't watch something that's not available. You can't watch a game that you're not broadcasting. It's literally impossible. And if you don't believe me, while you're working something tomorrow, go to the MLB app, right, and take a look at how many games are being played that there is no broadcast available for. Three quarters of them. And here's the crazy thing. Even on the audio side. So today I heard the whole game with the Mets and Braves. Yesterday, I pulled the Braves game up because Michael Soroka made his spring debut. I wanted to see how he looked. So I pulled it up on my app under the app bat section. I had it playing while I was at work. And all of a sudden, in the second inning, I'm hearing. So then I brought it up on like a smart speaker so I could like use my phone for other stuff. And then all of a sudden in the second inning, I'm hearing sports talk. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and check on the app, and even there I'm getting sports talk. Like the, somehow the radio station completely took it off. I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and it's not even – like you can't even get it on the website. I could have clicked the ti- – I could have clicked the tiger feed and listened to it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like – that that's not who I wanted to listen to. Now, I found out later he came out in the second inning, uh, had a little bit of bad luck or whatever. I read about it later, but I was like, show these games, like, yeah, let's see what's going. Let, let's see what's going on here. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. To me, at this point in the spring, uh, you're still only getting like maybe a couple of bats a day from your starters, and then you're seeing all the bench guys and minor league guys come in. 
But at the same time, baseball is something, especially people working from home or doing things around the house, it's something that you can have on in the background and at least get familiar with names and things like that. So that needs to be... That needs to be fixed. Um, I was impressed at Chandler with uh, the numbers that I saw from other countries, like in Japan and other places, as far as how many people tuned in to watch this World Baseball Classic. There's a lot of interest oh, yeah. in the world for this thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's what that's what makes me say that some things can, uh, for for certain reasons, be bigger than Major League Baseball. It's kind of like that whole thing like you hear about other countries and other places but when you travel abroad for whatever reason whether it be for the service or whether it be because you got a chance to go somewhere uh, it does give you an idea of just how small your corner of the world is you know what I mean like and I'm not yep. Major League Baseball is still going to take the biggest chunk of that pie but I do think that for the growth of the game I, I you know look at look at basketball I'm mean, for once, I'm going to kind of compare the two. The number of European players that we had in the United States in, like, 1992 were very few. Most of them were big men. You had the one guy, rest in peace, he died too early, because I wonder how good he would have been with Drazen Petrovic, right? But everybody else mm-hmm. was big guys. 30 years later, once you start seeing, once the U.S. kind of up their game and got other people involved, the number of European players, players from other countries, um, the, the international flavor has gone way up in the National Basketball Association, and there's some very good ones, too. It's not just um, maybe you're a bench guy or maybe you're a fourth or fifth option on a team. Um, the game has become a lot more global, and I think that this can happen for baseball. I understand that, and I don't have a problem with it, but I will say I think the Major League Baseball has gone out of its way to make sure that, that they have everyone in this game but black people. They've gone out of their way to do that. They have gone out of their way to ensure that black Americans don't play baseball. Let's internationalize the game. Let's do this. How about, you know, can I see some more people look like me? How about you hire more managers? How about some more general managers who look like me? How about we stop erasing the history of the black black man in baseball? See, that's why I have the problem with the internationalizing of things because they they do they're trying to do the same thing in the NBA, and and that started with with David Stern. It was too there were too many thugs according to them. It was it was too dark, so they needed somebody. They needed a, another group of people that the fan base that they're catering to um, can can relate to. And we got somebody on hold, and I just realized it's a 703 number. I'm going to go ahead and bring them in. It's probably serious. What's up, serious? What's going on, gentlemen? How are we doing this evening? Oh, hey, what's up, man? Sorry about that, serious. We're talking about the World Baseball Classic. It could be good for the growth of the game. Talking about the fact that there was some excitement yeah. down the stretch run of it. Um, you got anything you want to say on uh, on that before we jump topics here? You know, honestly, man, it, it, it's funny you mentioned, you know, the, the, the WBC because I, I think that a lot of you, what you guys are talking about is correct. I, I look at it like this. The World Baseball Classic reminds me 
You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody really gives a damn about the World Baseball Classic or baseball for in, for, for all intents and purposes until you put, you know, the USA on your chest or put, you know, whatever country you're from. And so all of a sudden, all eyes are, are, are on it. Like, I, I keep it a buck with you. I didn't watch an ounce of spring training, but I was glued to the World Baseball Classic because I wanted to see how the USA did. I wanted to see, you know, Otani, you know, go against Trout. I wanted to see, you know, what Altuve did and some of the big names that, you know, playing for the prospective ball club. So here's the thing. You want to grow the game? Again, Chandler, Chandler was talking about something before I popped in here. You know, you want to grow the game. You want to, you know, make the game like the NFL. You want to make the game like the NBA or whatever it is may be. Have more people, you know, that look like me, talk like me, think like me, involved. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I came in, you, you, you were talking about blackouts. You were talking, you guys were talking about the fact that here I go sitting in Virginia, you know what I'm saying? And I, 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 I can't get a, a pirate game on. I can't get a, a Yankee game on the radio unless they're playing, you know, a national, a national team or whatever the case may be. Like, the only game you can actually catch on your local station is your local station, and yet you're wondering why, you know, eyes are off your sport. Like, let's keep it a buck. There is nowhere in the planet where you can go that you can't watch NFL games. If you want to compare the two, if you, like, this is a concept, I mean, we, we don't have to reinvent the world here. Take what the NFL is doing. triples and grows because, again, fans crave accessibility. They have to feel like they can access you. And if you deny access, then fans will turn to other avenues to where they can get access. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say one thing about that, though, and, and I understand this is becoming a problem with, free agents, uh, with spring training. But I do want to say one thing that I do like that Major League Baseball is doing, and that is because you, you guys know what used to be the Fox Regional Sports Channels and now Valley Sports. Valley Sports has gone sort of bankrupt, right? So we don't know what's going to happen with the future of these networks. But Major League Baseball has taken over a lot of these rights, and they're lifting blackout restrictions, and they're going to try to set it up to where – People have access to all these games with no blackout restrictions, and I think that this is coming uh, for the regular season. And I I think that baseball is really – they're not doing it in spring training, but from everything that I've been reading and from people that I've talked to on the – from MLB that know things that that work with people on the multimedia aspect of it, they're telling me that baseball is, is doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes to lift blackouts and that kind of thing and to try to make this game uh, even more accessible. So those things are being done. I want to jump to one to one other thing that you just mentioned right there, Chandler, unless either one of you have something else to say on that particular piece of it. No, go ahead. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned black players. And so uh, I was reading a preview about it today, and it's coming out next month. Uh, make sure you guys take the time to watch this Reggie Jackson documentary that's going to be coming out. Because Reggie doesn't pull any punches. He says, I'm not scared. 
he makes some of the same types of comments that you just made um, and was very, very clear, you know, about his stance on some of that. So make sure that when this comes out, you take a look at it. The other uh, thing that I wanted to point out, your favorite player, Tanner, um, <laughs> uh, Tim Anderson, um, did, uh, you know, he moved to second base in this thing, but Tim Anderson, his personality came out, and, and he uh, he did a nice job in this tournament uh, for his team and, and showed up in some moments. So, uh, you know, that he's a guy that I will walk away remembering from from Team USA and what he did uh, in this tournament. So uh, that that is one player that I wanted to give a shout to. All right. So where are we, where are we going now? So I think let's go uh, real quick before we uh, – there are some other things I want to hit um, on baseball, but – I I believe that Michigan State pulled this thing out tonight, but I just want a shout to Jerome Tang and the job that he did um, at Kansas State this year. This team was picked last in the Big 12. Not only did they exceed that, they made Sweet 16, went into overtime tonight against Michigan State. Like I said, I believe Michigan State pulled that game out um, in overtime. I'll double-check that really quickly. Um, Arkansas was down big to UConn. I'm pretty sure UConn closed the deal on that one too. Um, and then tonight we have UCLA Gonzaga, and then Tennessee versus the Florida Atlantic that they're playing tonight. Um, so we have uh, we have those games. We got um, four more tomorrow, including Alabama, including Houston. Um, so you guys have any comments or any thoughts on the Sweet 16 on the men's side? Anything that you've seen or looking forward to moving forward on that? Yeah, uh, Kansas State won, by the way. But they um, come back and win. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I had to step away. I saw Michigan State had the lead. And so they I might have Kansas not... State won in overtime. Um, okay, good for I love I love the fact that so many of the high seeds got knocked out. Um, I said that before this tournament started, that I thought that the transfer portal and NIL has done more to create actual parity in college basketball than anything since the one and done. Um, every team now has truly has a chance to win the NCAA tournament. Every team. You get the right coach. I don't care mid-major, low-major, high-major, major-major, whatever major you want to call yourself. You get the right coach who can recruit and you get a couple of deep-pocketed boosters, you can get players, and you can win. Now, it's no more people only want to go to see, only want to go to Kentucky and North Carolina and do. North Carolina, did they even make the tournament? I don't think they did. Duke got knocked out early. There are no blue bloods here. I love this. This is anarchy in its highest order, and I love it. I hate the fact that UConn won. That's okay. They're not going any further. Whoever they play next is going to beat them because I can't stand UConn. Hate them. But, uh, <laughs> but I love what I'm seeing in this tournament. I mean, you got FAU is a nine seed. Ten years ago, FAU wouldn't even be in a tournament. They, even, they, were, just, they were just converting to Division One. 
at that point, <laughs> right? This was, uh, you know, this is where Howard Schnellenberger uh, finished up his coaching career. Um, yeah. But you, but you look at it, this is only the first time, either the first or second time since 1980 that we haven't had the four Blue Bloods in the Sweet 16 in Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke. Um, you know, Rick Barnes' team's kind of choke. Uh, it didn't hurt my feelings to see Duke lose, though. Uh, I'm impressed with the job John, John Chair did in his first year there. It didn't hurt my feelings to see them lose. Um, you know, Purdue getting knocked off by the one seed, that was fun. Uh, Kentucky, I guess it was uh, it was Kansas State that uh, put them out, right? So uh, Kansas mm-hmm. State has now beaten Kentucky and Michigan State, two very high-profile programs, um, you know, to get to the Elite Eight. And so I guess now they're going to get uh, the winner of this Tennessee-Florida Atlantic game, right? Um, for that, uh, yeah. So that's the same regional right there, right? So uh, that's that's pretty exciting to see that uh, that come out. And like you said, that I I think what I read coming in was like seven of the sixteen teams here have never been to the final four, and a couple of them have been rare and. Not only has seven not been there, but I'm trying UCLA, Gonzaga, and Arkansas. All that's in the same and UConn. And I think all four of those are in the same region, unless I'm mixing those up. No, but I think Gonzaga's in the West. Let's see, Gonzaga's in yeah. the West, UConn's in the West. Yeah, okay, yeah, so. All four of those teams have been, you know, have been there, and only one of them is going to, going to make it out of there. So we're going to see some new blood uh, in this final four. But the question that I have is: Is it sustainable? You know, what I'm saying like, yeah, there's going to be new blood in the final four, and I mean, yeah, it's cool that the blue bloods aren't there, but. But or, or is, is that sustainable? You know what I'm saying? Or, 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 or do, do we see a change in the bar with NIL and and, and and different things taking place to to give these mid majors, low majors, high majors, crossover majors, as Chandler would call them, an opportunity <laughs> to, to 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 get to the to, to, to get to this level? Or or, or, or next year is going to be you know chalk, you know, in the tournament. So, so yes and no. So, so yes and no, and I'm going to tell you why. I think that you get enough blue chippers and with NIO and this kind of thing, you can. However, a lot of this best talent, if they do go to college, they're one and done or two and out. And what you're starting to see, I think, is if you've got a system that people know and you have to – I mean, basketball, at the end of the day, is still a team sport. You've got some 22, 23-year-old, fourth and fifth-year seniors that all know the system well and play together collectively as a team, it's, it's not sustainable in that you're not going to keep the blue bloods out year in and year out. But it is sustainable in that some of these mid-majors or other smaller schools, if they recruit the right players and fit a system around them and you have guys that buy in and stay, these guys, you, you're still going to have the ability 
to be able to push and contend for a championship uh, year in and year out? I think that, that it won't be the same mid-major teams every year, but I think it will be the days of chalk are over because kind of take, take what Mike said and running with it, if I'm a mid-major school and I got decent NIL, I can get a good player who doesn't have to go and try to make the draft or isn't going to leave in the transfer portal so he can go to Kentucky so he can get drafted because he got to feed his family because now there's money coming in. You understand what I'm saying? He can stay now because he can actually support his family. You know, he can send – instead of them sending him money, he can send money home. So he doesn't have to rush off to the NBA. Now, there are those who are always going to say, I would have been in the NBA right now. I ain't here for school. Okay, we're taking them out the picture. But that second tier of guys who could be one and done, but a lot of time we always say, dude, you probably shouldn't have came out one and done. We know who those players are. We've seen them a lot. Those players are going to stay now because of NIL, and they're going to stay two or three years. You give me three years of really good players with a good coach, oh, I'm knocking off some teams, okay? I'm coming for your neck. So well, and then, I think that then they, you give me huh? you take the you take the best players and give me two or three years of those guys that are best players on that team, and then you give me five or six role player guys and five or six guys that that play together collectively that are going to stay the whole time that are going to uh, you know by their senior year be leaders and pass that on to other guys, and so we have the right culture and the right environment and we're playing as a as a unit. And we're taking care of the basketball, and we're really harassing teams on defense and making it hard for teams, and we we all play together well enough that we can really disrupt other people's game plans. Yeah, we got a chance to really do something. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Gonzaga. Their players don't get a lot of pub in the pros, but they're solid players. They have decent careers. The one guy who was one and done, he's hurt. <laughs> he should have stayed, by the way. Chet Hovind should have stayed. I'm sorry, he should have stayed. But look at Drew Timmy. If you say, oh, he's not an NBA player. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We won't know until he gets there. I think he could be a guy who could carve out a, a nice career sitting on somebody's bench, you know. Um, but Drew Timmy is, a, what, a fifth-year senior? Gonzaga's been pretty good. Gonzaga's got their players usually stay three to four years. All we hear about every year is Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. There's a reason for that. Now, I think that's what's going to happen with a lot of teams now where you're going to have guys like Drew, the Drew Timmies of the world, guys that are really good college basketball players. And, by the way, nothing wrong with being a really good college basketball player and not being an NBA player. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There were a whole lot of guys who were great college basketball players that didn't play in the NBA who we still talk about because they were great college basketball players. And that's okay. So, serious, yeah, I believe that the days of chalk are over. Now, does that mean that we won't get a, a Kentucky or North Carolina or whatever champion? No. But the days of all of the number ones being blue bloods, I think those days are over. Between NIL and the transfer portal, I think those days are done. And, and, and one more thing to say on that is if you're a mid-major um, – it is not as expensive in NIL to get a couple basketball players 
as it is to try to uh, fight above your weight class in football, right? Because there's a lot more there's a lot more guys you have to account for. So though I don't believe in football, you're going to see teams consistently from mid-major conferences or like the, you know the undefeated Cincinnati team from a couple of years ago or whatever really push for a national championship that often. And, and football, you're going to see the power conferences really for the for the most part rule the day. There may be an exception or two, but I think basketball is a completely different animal. I would agree. You want to jump to the NFL? Um, in just a second. So we got uh, – we have that. We have uh, – to, tomorrow we do we do have the the two number one seeds in Alabama and Houston playing. And then we, we also have the women's tournament getting kicked off – getting kicked back off tomorrow. Um, LSU and Utah is probably a must-see game at 5 oh. and that, that one's going to be good. That's going to be a good game. Uh, check that, That's going to be check a that one out. And, and for anybody that was hating on Twitter on Angel Reese uh, this past weekend, shame on them. Um, what a what a game that, that lady had for, for LSU. And the cool story is, and uh, I was reading a thing, Kim Mulkey was talking about how these girls really collect on social media, and they got a lot of people really wanting to meet them, and and they're really empowering a lot of young girls. Like one girl that Angel Reese met, she gave her some purple and gold flowers because she was like lilies or whatever. Angel Reese signed a basketball from her, and the girl's like 11 years old. She told her mom, I'm done dancing. I want to play like her. You know? <laughs> so, so uh, but to see, and, and, I, and I know there are other stories, um, uh, you know, like that in, you know, in these programs. But to see uh, these uh, women programs continuing, you know, what Mulkey's done at LSU has been phenomenal. Uh, South Carolina, obviously, is South Carolina. And we're seeing some upsets there, too. Ole Miss knocked off number one seeded Stanford. Um, and then Miami knocked off number one seeded Indiana, who had not lost a game on their home floor all year. So we're seeing some upsets there. Um, but we're also seeing some blue bloods in South Carolina and Yukon still hanging around. Um, so uh, the women's tournament is going to be a lot of fun too. Um, and they, yeah, they got two games going, or actually three games kind of going, no, two actually, two games going head up with men's. But it starts early tomorrow, you guys. So if you want to watch at like uh, 2.30 Eastern, I want to say, is when the first game is tomorrow. Then LSU and Utah play at uh, 5 Eastern. You got two more games tomorrow night, and then the, obviously they have uh, four more games going on Saturday, and then they're going to play their regional finals uh, Sunday and Monday. So the women's tournament's in full effect, full effect too, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool stories to follow with that tournament as well. And you guys taking yeah, a little bit uh, on the side, I want to comment on that. South Carolina UCLA is going to be one of the best games you could watch. I don't care what gender you're talking. South Carolina, UCLA is going to be a war. Tony, right now, watch that. If you don't watch nothing else, because South Carolina is head and shoulders better than everybody, UCLA is going to give them everything they want and then some. If South Don Carolina Staley is going to lose, huh? Mm-hmm. Don Staley even told the yep. UCLA coach after that game, uh, 
South Carolina beat them earlier in the year. And Dawn Staley told the UCLA coach, we're going to see you guys again. Like, because she knew what UCLA brought to the table. Yeah. Yeah. It, if South Carolina is going to lose, it'll be to UCLA. That's who it'll be, Joe. But, honestly, I see I see the national championship coming down to South Carolina and LSU playing again. That's that's what I got. I got them two going at it again. Aaliyah Boston, Angel Reese, listen. Now, I'm not a Tim Mulkey fan because of what she did with Brittany Griner. Um, so I'm going to root against her uh, personally. But her team, I love her team. Can't stand her. They have a really, 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 really I heard rumor that her and Brittany Grinder did talk after Brittany came back, and they had a good, they had some good conversation. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I do know that, you know, she had the platform that she really could have said some things, and she didn't, and so it kind of left me scratching my head. But, um, you know, so I don't know the, uh, I don't know the dynamic. But I, I, I heard rumor that her and Brittany have talked since, and, and had some good conversation. I don't know. I don't think, I mean, whether they did or they didn't, and I'm kind of fine with Chandler here. That really doesn't negate the position that Wilkins took with, with the whole situation. Like, it's very, it's, it's very, very easy to sustain and support and, you know, say peace and kumbaya when somebody's looking in your face um, after the fact. You know what I'm saying? But a, a test of a real firm to a relationship or whatever can be is can you stand when, you know, when everybody's, you know, coming against you and she, she didn't do that there. So my view on her has always been skewed, but to, to kind of say that was advocate here, I've always been a Geno fan. Um, I want to see UConn and South Carolina go out there again, even with South Page Beckers in the, in the lineup. Um, that was a, that, that was just one hell of a uh, game last year, and I, 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 I need to see that. I need to see that again. No, no to set LSU, but I, need, I, 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 I love but, UConn basketball women. So no, no, no disrespect taken, and I will say this: like to both of you's point, to to the point that both of you made. Uh, silence can be mistaken for consent. And so if you didn't speak out uh, when you had the platform to do so uh, in support of of her, then uh, it, it almost, it, it makes it look as if you're okay with it and I'm not okay with that. So um, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely get, get your, uh, get what you guys are saying there. But if it's not LSU, you know, LSU and Utah should be really good tomorrow. Uh, I, the winner of that game will be favored to come out of that region. And then uh, UConn is, is, the, is the game, right, that, that they're going to have to get over if they're going to get to that championship game. And I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that this is LSU's best team that Kim Mulkey is going to be able to put together there. Uh, Angel Reese will be back, and they got some uh, a lot of kids on that team coming back. They're losing one person, their point guard, their leader, but they they have uh, some really good players coming in again next year. So uh, if you're gonna get them, you better get them now. I think they're gonna be better 
in the in the years to come. So uh, there's definitely some excitement on both sides of the tournament and uh, good brackets on, on both sides. Um, real quick, uh, Mr. Sirius, your uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have made a couple more moves since we last did a show. Do you want to talk about that? You know, honestly, it's quiet but deadly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, at the end of the day, um, we are really, really, really focusing on our offensive line and our linebacking core. Um, and the, the, the statement around, you know, Pittsburgh is we're building a picket fence. That's what's, you know, being tweeted about and that's what's being talked about. And everything is a – is a cliche and a hashtag, but ultimately the way we have approached this offseason um, leads me to believe that Mike Tom was not happy with our linebacker play from a season ago, right before we go. Nobody that was uh, in half last year at the linebacking core is there now. Um, and we have really revamped and retooled and redone uh, offensive line, and uh, we're not even done. You know, I mean, all signs look to us possibly getting one in, in the draft coming up in a couple of weeks um, if we don't go corner. So, at the end of the day, man, I, I like what we're doing. Again, it's silent but deadly. You know, it, 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 it's not the splashy name. We're not, you know, in the Odell Beckham sweet space. We didn't make the big splash in the trade to – to, 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 to get DeAndre Hopkins and all of those other type of stuff. You know, we're not trying to sign Zeke Elliott to, you know, to, 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 to be a second back or nothing like that, but it's silent but deadly. And I, I'm very, very pleased with what Omar Khan is doing, um, and I can't wait to see what we do um, this upcoming draft, man. I honestly think we'll do some more good stuff. Um, and, I, I, again, OTAs is coming up, and I can't wait to get down there and see what's going on with it. Taylor, you got any comments on the Steelers before we hit other teams? Um, no, it's I look. We know that Mike Tomlin is going to have a, a at least a 500 season. We know that. Um, you just write that down right now. Um, more than likely he's going to have a winning season. I just don't know right now based on his division. I don't see how they're not anything other than than the, than the third best team in the division. So I, I you know what I'm saying, because I need to I need to see more from Kenny Pickett. So until I see more from Kenny Pickett, I don't think there's a whole lot they can do until they know what they have in Kenny Pickett. And I know he showed some things last year, but it's it's the second year that's going to tell the tale. So I think maybe that's why they're not being as say maybe as aggressive as some people think they should be. Let's see what they have with Pickett. Let's build up. As, as Sir was saying, let's build up around the edges. Let's build up other positions. Let's get the whole team good, and then next, and then, and then see what you have with Kenny Pickett at that point. And then you can go out there and go get you, if you have to move on the quarterback, or if Kenny Pickett's your guy, now you can go move for a top flight receiver or something. But you don't want to go get some high paid receiver, and you still don't have your quarterback. So I, I think that they're doing it the smart way which, I mean, are we surprised that Pittsburgh is doing it the smart way? But right now they're still just the third-best team in their division. So, you know, it is what it is kind of a deal. 
Mike, you muted again. Mike, anybody? I think, I think he is muted. I mean, I sure I'm curious to, to see what Baltimore does. Speaking about the division, um, I don't know if you guys touched on this situation before I popped in, but they still have no idea what's going to happen with their quarterback position. Um, their offensive line is, is pathetic, and they still don't have a little bit of receivers to speak of. So they're, they're honestly the biggest question mark for me. Um, Cleveland has been busy. Um, you know, the trade they made yesterday to go pick up Elijah Moore from the New York Jets and pair him with Amari Cooper um, mm-hmm. and, and, and everything, they're, they're on the come up. Um, I mean, the division, the division is crazy. Cincinnati has been doing some stuff. Uh, they wouldn't sign big Orlando Brown, but they were also big, big players last year, you know, going and getting all these offensive linemen, and Joe Burrow was still the, the highest sack quarterback in the league. So I'm not too sure what was going on there. So the division, in my opinion, is up in the air. I, I really do think the division's up in the air. There, there's a bunch of games last year that we could have won and didn't. The case could be said for, for a lot of people. Um, so the, the fact that, you know, we're, we're third in the division and a lot of people's rankings, as you currently sit here, is understandable. But I, I think this division is a lot more wide open than than, than what meets the door, meets the eye, and I guess time will tell. But, again, I, I'm, I'm pleased with what we've done. Um, I'm encouraged and very, very optimistic on what we're going to do going forward. I, I, de- well, I definitely well, agree. I think, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, I definitely agree with the Elijah Moore trade being a good trade. Uh, you got Cooper. You got a couple other receivers, and I think Moore can go crazy in the slot. I think, uh, you know, it's time for him to get out of New York. I don't know that the Jets are any better with McCole Hartman than they were with Elijah Moore, uh, but I understand why they went and got him. Uh, but I don't know that that makes them – uh, I almost think in some ways maybe that's a wash. Now, McCole Hartman has done more on special teams as far as returns and stuff like that. So uh, maybe that that helps. But go ahead to you. You were about to say something about third in that division. So, well, no, McCole Hartman, they, the Jets got worse. The Jets got worse because McCole Hartman can't stay healthy. And he costs more than Elijah Moore. So that's, that trade didn't benefit the Jets at all. It benefited Cleveland. But when, we, when you say Pittsburgh's third, when you look at it on paper, right, and we know games ain't played on paper, you look at it on paper, you say, okay, you got Burrow, who gets sacked a lot because he holds on to the ball forever, okay? Um, it, I don't, his getting sacked a lot is starting to be more a function of him than his offensive line. He needs to get the damn ball out of his hands. But he holds on to the ball and he's willing to take the hits. So if the, the trade-off is he makes – Tremendous plays. How long is he going to be able to keep continue taking that punishment? Conversation for another day. Cleveland. We here's what I know about Deshaun Watson, other than him being a creep. <laughs> He's going to get hurt. He is going to get hurt. You know how I know that? Because every season he's gotten hurt. When we keep talking about, oh, Lamar stays hurt. Deshaun Watson ain't played, ain't played, maybe maybe played one full season, I think. He has missed games pretty much in every season he's played. 
But I like what Cleveland has done, again, around the edges, the rest of the team. So whoever their backup is, and I can't think of who it is right now, should be able to win them two or three games. But say if, if he misses three to four games, which he probably will, they should be able to go two and two. So, you know, um, I don't know if, again, I just don't know what Kenny Pickett is. And that's the only reason I have him third, because I don't know what Kenny Pickett is yet. I know that you're right, Siri. There's a lot of games they should have won last year that they didn't. And I can't really say it was a function of the quarterback play, honestly. Now, a couple of them with Trubisky it was, right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see a game that they lost because of Kenny Pickett. But I also didn't see a game they won because of Kenny Pickett. And I guess that's why I have them third is I still don't know if Kenny Pickett can win you games or if you have to win with Kenny Pickett, if, if that makes any sense. Can, are you winning because of Kenny Pickett or are you winning with Kenny Pickett? That's really what it comes down to for me. I mean, and Mike is I, 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 I was talking on eat myself. Ultimately, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 can't disagree, I can't disagree with you, um, you know, but again, I, I'm still a fan, so I kind of look at stuff a little differently, but you know, again, Tom will tell me year two, you know, um, I'm, I'm expecting him to make a significant jump, um, you know, and again, he, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with, with his maturation, with how he processes information, with him having a full off season under his belt, and, you know, there's, there's been reports and pictures of, you know, him laughing with with receivers and, and all this other type of stuff. So I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how he looks coming back. You know, the, the, the only downside, if you, you know, again, me as a Silla fan, the only downside that I can foresee is the fact that we've retained Matt Canada as our offensive coordinator. Um, and so if, if, yeah. if anything, it's going to hamstring us and, and, and put us behind an eight ball, if you will, is the fact that that clown is still in the headset calling plays. I was so glad LSU only kept him for one year. That is one of the good – it was a bad decision to bring him on, but it was a good decision by Ogeron, uh to let him go uh, after just one year and just say, you know what, we didn't click. Um, I was shocked to see that he was the coordinator for Pittsburgh. I didn't realize he was their coordinator uh, until this season. And so seeing yeah. him stick around, I, you know, that that's not a guy – that that I think a lot of I, I think he's kind of a clown too. I I'm quietly impressed for a team that people said uh, weren't going to have any room under the cap at all. Uh, I'm quietly impressed with a couple of things the Saints did. We talked about last week a couple of defensive line picks up pickups. They signed a guy for offensive line depth, signed another defensive end, and a couple other guys to go in the in the defensive backfield um, as well. So still have to address the linebacker position. But I'm telling y'all, um, you talk about the AFC North. The NFC South is truly a division that's up for grabs. And oh, God, uh, yeah. I do think – and um, and then add Jamal Williams and, you know, Carr at quarterback. I, I think the Saints have done a lot to ensure that they can still try to maximize the talent that they have um, in the building. And I, I think on paper today uh, – now – that can always change, but on paper today, I think the Saints have to be considered the favorite in the NFC South. And if not, let's send Dennis Allen packing. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, I mean, dude, the other quarterback is Baker Mayfield. That's the other quarterback in the division. Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Uh, Desmond, and, they, and they're both trash. And they're both trash. Desmond Ritter. Let's be honest. Desmond Ritter and then either Desmond, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever Carolina takes um, right. so with their pick. A, a rookie, a second-year guy who didn't get to play, so in reality he's a rookie. So two rookies and Baker Mayfield is what you got to compete against. Baker Mayfield's going right. to lose his job by game five. Okay? He's going to lose his job by game five. So, if the Saints you don't win the division. You did game five. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving game five. And, and that's because Todd Bowles is not only is a terrible coach, but he's stubborn as hell. So, yeah, it's, it's be about game five. <laughs> so, Does Todd Bowles last the whole year? Uh, yes. Yeah, but he'll be out at the end of the year. Black um, Monday, he'll be gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will. But, and, and, but I think and, so. and you know I love – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you got it. I was going to say, I love this – you know, I'm all for, for, for black men getting head coaching jobs. Todd Bowles never should have got a second job. He never should have got a second job. He is a really good to great defensive coordinator. He is horrible as a head coach. Once you single-covered Cooper Cup and or you let, you left Cooper Cup out there, uh, on a safety um, and yeah, down the stretch run of a, of a game that you very easily that could have was... won. And that's on the coordinator, yo. That's on the coordinator for calling that play. And Blitzen, the guy that's supposed to be uh, giving you help there because you knew that that's where Matthew Stafford was going to look with the ball. And you didn't do anything about it. And, and you left him alone. And that cost you the game. So to me, like you failed at this as a defensive coordinator. Maybe we can bring you back another year there, but, uh, you know, I, I still think Byron Leftwich should have gotten that job. Uh, but that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. Um, mm-hmm. Other things in the other things in the NFL that you want to cover before I float another question by you, Chandler? 929-477-2759 is the calling number. We are here with you locked and loaded for the next, what, 41 minutes, 40 minutes or so? Uh, uh, what time is it? Yeah, about. Yeah, about. I do have something. Okay. I'm going to say this right now. I don't believe Lamar Jackson plays another down in the NFL. And I'm going to tell you why. There is a concerted effort right now by the NFL to force Lamar to capitulate. Whenever you hear any of these so-called analysts, experts, whatever term you want to use, I say talking clowns. What are the words you consistently hear? You hear access and agent, access and agent. You hear that more than injury and money. The the NFL love to control players. How do they control players? Through their agents because that gives them access. People can say, oh, the agent works for you. Those agents are working for themselves because they have 45 clients. They are working with the teams behind the scenes that you don't know about having conversations that might screw over one player, but they got seven other players that they're going to help, okay? And it, and it keeps them in bed. It keeps them fed. and keeps money coming into their pockets. So if they have to give up some info on you, if they have to give access, if they have to leak some information that you might not want leaked to the media, 
So if they can continue their relationship, they're going to do that. They're going to do it. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over. They do not like the fact that Lamar doesn't have an agent because it doesn't give them access. Lack of access means lack of control. Lack of access means lack of control. The NFL negotiates backdoor conversations, back channel all the time. They have conversations with mom, dad, uncle, niece, brother, you name it. How do we know this? Because they tell us this. They told us this. But now suddenly, the family advisor, the NFL sent out a memo, don't talk to him. Only talk to Lamar. When have we ever heard that? Lamar Jackson isn't the first NFL player to, to, to be his own agent. He's not. And we know the teams have back-channeled and spoken to family members and, um, and I'm using air quotes here, advisors to get an idea of how much a guy wants and this and that and the other. But suddenly the NFL has to put out a memo about Lamar. Lamar Jackson is not going to sign the um, franchise thing. He's not going to sign it. Nobody's going to give him a contract either. And if he sits out a year, whether they say next year, well, he missed a year, uh, we don't know if he's – what if he fell off. So that's another year that he doesn't get signed. This is exactly like Colin Kaepernick. I hear the same verbiage being used. I see the same things being done. I see the same character assassination. I really hope I'm wrong, but I don't believe I am. It's serious to remember, I said at the time that everything we got kept, I said he'll never play in the NFL again. And people say, oh, yeah, he will. No, he won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe believe that Lamar Jackson is on that same road because the NFL wants to use him as an example to players and say, we'll never give you guaranteed contracts. If you don't believe us, watch us destroy this man's career just to prove a point. Yeah, you gave yourself a guaranteed contract a year ago. So here is where I, I somewhat agree but disagree with that whole sentiment. First and foremost, let me start with what I agree with. Lamar Jackson should not sign the, the, the franchise tag, and if it means he sits out a year or, or, or reports, you know, week, you know, 10 or 11, you know, just to, you know, get in the cruise season or, or, or whatever loophole he needs to jump through. That way he's not in the same situation a season, uh, season later. So be it. Um, I, I, I will say this, though. The biggest talking points about Lamar Jackson um, are a little bit dissimilar to what they were calling Kaepernick, but here's the caveat, okay, in, in my opinion. And, again, I, I, I wanted to, you know, have a back and forth with you about it. Lamar Jackson has not stayed healthy, and that's the biggest biggest issue that I feel that teams are struggling with now. Does the man deserve money? He does. Does the man deserve guaranteed money? I think, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that he doesn't. The question that I have for Lamar and and his people is, and again, I don't even know what, I don't even know if we know this because to date is how much. Like, we're all sitting here 
and, and, and looking at what Deshaun Watson got and, and using that as a measuring stick because I don't know and I have yet to see or hear from Lamar what he wants. We know what he won't sign for. We know what the Ravens, you know, offered him, you know, low-ball-ass offer, and he was like, nah, kick rocks. But we don't know what his number is. And I think until we know what his number is, I think it's very, very hard to put Lamar Jackson into the same black ball category we, that, 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 that we found Colin Kaepernick in. Lamar, Lamar Jackson is a former MVP. Lamar Jackson can play this game. He, he, he adds value to a team. Now, do I think he's a good quarterback? No, that's just me. But you put Lamar Jackson on the Atlanta Falcons and they win games. You put Lamar Jackson in, in, in New York with the Jets and their Super Bowl contender. You put Lamar Jackson in, in San Francisco, he's a still Super Bowl contender. My point is this. Lamar Jackson has value just on his name and status alone. We don't know what the number is, you know. So, uh, again, the, the, the way the NFL handled it today, we're not talking with this person or, you know, not talking with that person. I, I think they could have handled that way differently. Uh, I do agree with what Chandler was saying, again, about them trying to control a narrative and trying to control who they can talk to and who he can talk to and trying to force this guy to have an agent and this, that, and the third. And, again, he's not the first person and won't be the last person. You know, but at the end of the day, nobody but Lamar Jackson knows what that number is. And until we know that, I think it's very, very difficult for, 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 for us to sit here um, and try to figure out what he wants. Or is it, you know, for other teams to kind of pick something to him, you know, as, as, as to say, come find me. You know, again, it's a very, very tight look about this stuff. And, that, and, and, and that's the thing with, with agents. And, again, again, you, you're right, Chandler. You have an agent, you know, you have access. It, it, it stuff gets, quote, unquote, leaked, you know, to, 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 to talking clowns, as you, as you would say. And now we have an idea or, or, or insight into what you may be thinking. Like, but for all of the purposes, Aaron Rodgers is a clown. He, he, he's a certified grade-A goofball. But one thing we do know is that nobody knows what the heck that dude is thinking because he doesn't like anybody. He doesn't talk to anybody, you know, dude on, on, on YouTube. That, that's the only person he talks to. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So you, you're never going to know. Yes, you, you're never going to know what Aaron Rodgers is thinking, what Aaron Rodgers is doing until he's doing it. You know, and, 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 and it drives people like us who are attention seeking information junkies crazy because all we want to do is know. And right now with Lamar the Jackson, darkness, because he doesn't have Well, the, the darkness knows everybody, man. Darkness is, darkness is. But at the end of the day, Lamar, nobody knows what Lamar Jackson wants. All we know is that it's going to cost, it's going to cost, the, it's going to cost the Baltimore Ravens or anybody else, you know, two first-round draft picks and, you know, whatever contract they agree with. To, to, to get him, we don't know what the number is that Lamar Jackson would say yes to. I now, and, 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 and I think that. that's the I, I, I think that's the frustrating thing. Now, I mean, his roster, you know, if Deshaun Watson got two twenty, okay, I think honestly, I think I think if he gets Lamar Jackson two twenty one, 
Puppy Tech. I, I think you can, I think you gave Lamar Jackson the same amount of years, but made it like two ten, two fifteen. You have a deal. Well, you, so the, 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 Lamar, Deshaun Watson got five years at two thirty. He got five years at two thirty guaranteed. So basically, forty six a year because, what? but they they wrote it in such a way that he was only charged one million last year, so it wouldn't mess up his suspension. All I'm saying is, what? it's a sad state of affairs if Deshaun Watson gets guaranteed money and Lamar, and Lamar Jackson. Jackson what what because what, what have what? you heard? What have you heard about Lamar's conduct off the field? I'll wait. Nothing. I live literally. I live forty minutes from him. He's always out here doing stuff with the, with, the, with the community. He's always kissing babies, being friendly. We ain't seen him out there with fifty grand baby mamas. None of that. None of that. None of that. But yeah, the Sean Watson, Watson gets guaranteed money, and the league is trying to ostracize Lamar Jackson. And here's here's what I'm I mean, saying serious about the whole not staying healthy thing. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been in the league five seasons. He's played a full season twice. Yeah, he's played a full season twice. So no, 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 no. Yeah, narrati- I tell you, I tell you. So the narrative about Lamar being injury prone, again, is not. It's a narrative. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Everybody wants Jimmy Garoppolo. Tell me the last time Jimmy Garoppolo played a full season. He never has. Ever. But I don't think Never the, the, the thing is Sharon, the thing is Sharon, I don't think I, I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo for all intents and purposes is is trying to get two hundred and ten million dollars guaranteed. But see, I that's think, the I think thing. We, we don't we don't go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. What I'm what I'm saying is I I, I feel as though when, when when people make that comparison to to, to Jimmy G, who's been injury-prone, and, and to other quarterbacks who have battled injuries, and, 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 and we, we try to use that as a measuring stick as to why Lamar Jackson deserves X, Y, Z, I, 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 it's not a fair comparison because, again, Lamar Jackson wants Deshaun Watson-like money. Right from himself. We don't know that. We don't know that. And that's the thing. We that's don't know point. if he wants that. He's- Here's what I will say. The reason I use Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo's made more money than Lamar Jackson has. Yeah, he's made yeah. more money than him. He's also been in the league. Okay. He's been in the league long, long, yeah. long, long ago, Okay, and he stays injured, yet he keeps getting big money. So stop telling me about Lamar being injury prone when you will go out there and sign guys who you know can't stay healthy and you will give them big money. We don't know what Lamar wants. We know that we know that the Ravens offered him less than they offered him basically the Kyler Murray deal when Kyler Murray still had two years left on his deal. And Lamar had no years left on his deal. Kyler Murray hasn't done, a, hasn't done a third. Hasn't done a third of what Lamar Jackson has done, and you offer him the same contract that Kyler Murray got? Miss me with that. I'm not signing that. I'm not signing no deal that that clown got. So we know he needs more than Kyler Murray. That's the only right. thing we know. We know he wants more than Kyler right. Murray. Right. So, but, but, but see, what this tells me is Baltimore is lowballing him. Baltimore is trying to not pay him at all because of the mistake they made with Flacco. 
So this all comes back to Joe Flacco. Remember when they I, made I, Joe I, Flacco I, yeah, the I highest paid quarterback? After he won the Super Bowl? Yeah. And then he yeah. and then he turned yeah. back into the guy that he was, which was garbage. Yeah. Bashadi doesn't want – see, it's funny how teams operate. The Baltimore Ravens, first of all, had never paid a quarterback before that. And then they paid Flacco, and it blew up in their face. And now they don't want to pay quarterbacks again, except now you have a quarterback who deserves to be paid. But you don't want to pay him because the history says you never pay your quarterbacks because that's what your owner's ethos has always been. See, the, and again, the, 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 the Sean Watson thing, Lamar Jackson never said that. The media said that. So now that's what everybody thinks. So everybody thinks. Man has never said anything. He, he doesn't negotiate against himself. He's smart. He's never said a word. He just let the Ravens keep talking. Well, we gave him 130. We offered him 133. That's Colin Murray money. I'm not signing for that. He shouldn't sign for that. Offer him the right contract. It's why we offer them $200 million kind of sort of guaranteed. What kind of sort of guaranteed? It's either guaranteed or it's not. If it's kind of sort, that means right. it's not guaranteed. So you I'm didn't offer him $200 million guaranteed. You know, and that, see, that's where the fans, that's where fans get it twisted because they'll hear, um, who would, somebody just signed a contract for a bunch of money, but in reality it's only $86 million. Matter of fact, um, Orlando Brown, right? The number says I think he signed for a hundred some odd million dollars. In reality, he only signed for sixty-eight because that's the all the guaranteed money. So his contract is actually for sixty-eight million. Fans don't want to pay attention to that to that portion of the program because once the sixty-eight million is paid, they can cut him tomorrow and they don't owe him no more money. So we have to be careful when we keep saying, "Well, they offered him this guarantee." What type of guarantee? Is it based on this? Is it based on this? If it's based on something, that means it's not guaranteed. It's conditional. Conditional ain't guaranteed. And I agree with you, Sirius. If you offer him $200 million guaranteed right now, right, we say we'll give you five years, $200 million, I think he'd sign it. I don't think, they, I don't yeah. think they'd come close to offering him that. Personally, I yep. think they're stuck in that 130 yeah, to 150 range. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm like, yeah, go back, Sam. Yep. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm like, good luck with Tyler Huntley. Uh, you know, at the end of the day. He's a pro, he's a pro bowler, man. He's a pro bowler. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the uh, Indianapolis Colts have Gardner Minshew as an insurance policy for their first-string quarterback now. So, uh, oh, my that God. Was, uh, that was another sign that I did not that, – that I meant to bring up. Uh, that I, I just saw that, and I wanted to bring that up today. So, I agree with you guys completely on this Lamar Jackson thing. And I will say this. If he is not in the league next year, and if Chandler's words prove to be true, shame on the NFL. So we got about 20 minutes left. Where do you want to go, Mike? Yeah, so I do like the C.J. Gardner-Johnson signing uh, by the Lions to help that backfield. I think he's a guy that will come up and hit. Um, he plays the ball pretty well. Now he had a career year in Philly this past year, but uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a nice player. And I think that uh, 
you know, the Lions do need to do some work on that uh, defense. So this is uh, our last roundtable gumbo before the opening of the Major League Baseball season. When we come to you next Thursday, uh, we will be in the midst of opening day. Uh, we only got about 20 minutes, Chandler, so uh, we can wait on this till next week, and we can still make these predictions once uh, opening day starts. But my question for you is, um, do you want to go around and pick each division, or do we just want to wait and lay out a lot more baseball stuff uh, next week? No, we can do a, we can do a rough divisional pick because I think it's some interesting stuff going on. Um, I think I think I think there's going to be some surprises. So yeah, we could do that. Okay, uh, Sirius, you want to jump in with us on picking divisions in Major League Baseball? Let's do it. All right, so I'm going to start out with I'll go first on this division, and we'll just kind of rotate through you guys. Uh, I think in the National League West. I think this is the year that the San Diego Padres um, rise to the top and win this division. Uh, I still have the Dodgers finding a way to finish second. I'm going to say Arizona finishes third, the Giants fourth, and the Rockies fifth. That's my predicted order of finish in the National League West. Chandler, how about you? I have Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks because – Bob Melvin always finds a way to screw up a really good team. You got the Giants winning, huh? Yep. Ooh, okay. Uh, all right. And then, Sirius, let's come to you on the National League West. You know what? I, I, here's the thing. I want to say the Padres, they got all the names. Um, I still think the Dodgers find a way to get get get, get that done. So I'm gonna go Dodgers, Padres. Here's where it's gonna get funny. I think the Rockies are third, Diamondbacks, Giants. Oh, I think the Rockies. I think the Rockies would be lucky to get out of that basement, but that's why they play the games, right? Um, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's really interesting. So. Uh, let's go. Let's stay out west, and then we'll just then we'll go hit the uh, we'll move to the centrals. So in the American League West, ooh, you guys, I, this is a hard division for me to pick, and I went first on the last one. So I'm gonna start with you, Chandler, on the American League West. Hmm. <laughs> um. Astros. No, no. Yes. Go with my first mind. Yeah, Astros, Mariners. Astros, Mariners. Who the hell else, else is in the West? Astros, Mariners. Angels, Rangers, Athletics. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, my God, I forgot. Okay. No, 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 no. Rangers, Mariners, Astros, Angels. Uh, yeah, I, you, you've talked a lot about the Rangers, and, I, and I'm starting to buy it a little bit. I don't know if they win the division, but I think they definitely are in the uh, wild card conversation and could do some damage if they get there. So, Chandler, you're going with the Rangers, Mariners second, Astros mm-hmm. third, Angels, and then A's. All right, so here's you on yeah. the AL West. AL West. Um, I still think the Astros win that division even without Tuve being gone uh, for the, you know, start of the season with his injury. Um, I think the Rangers are second. I think the Mariners take a step back. 
Um, I've seen the Angels and the Athletics battling it out from the bottom of that division. I, 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 I just can't bet against the Astros as much as I hate them suckers. <laughs> I'm going to go with I think the Astros do win the division, but I think it's close. I think Seattle is actually closer to Houston at the end of this year, uh, assuming Rodriguez stays healthy. That's the key piece for them. Julio Rodriguez has to be healthy because uh, he is a superstar. I, I really believe that in this game. Uh, I think Texas is third, though. A lot of people are saying don't sleep on the Angels. I think Texas is third. I think the Angels, if Anthony Rendon can stay healthy, um, but that's the equivalent of if I can win the lottery this weekend on the Powerball. So, um, he, Angels, he ain't been healthy since he left D.C. Yeah, Angels fourth. And, and even in D.C., he had more injured seasons than healthy ones. Um, uh-huh. And then the A's may be the worst team in baseball this year. Um, it's not the Nationals say, hold my beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but at least the Nationals, the Nationals have some – some some promising prospects that they just got in the last couple of trades. So um, mm-hmm. let's go to the Centrals. And, Sirius, I'll let you pick which Central division you want to go with. No, I'm going to make you go with the American League first. So American League Central to you, Sirius. Um, uh, I hate to do this. I hate to do this. I don't like the boy. I hate him with all my, with all my heart. I think the Twins win the division. Um, shout out to the homie PT, man. Um, I think the Twins win the division. I think the Guardians come in second. Um, and then, and I mean, it's a toss-up between the White Sox, Tigers, and, and Royals. I do think the Tigers are going to be significantly better than they were a season ago. But I, I, I think it's Twins, Guardians, and then the other three teams kind of hodgepodge for, for, for third, fourth, and fifth in that division. Okay, so Chandler, I'll go next on this division, then I'll come to you. I think the first place team in this division is the Guardians. I think they have too much pitching, and I think uh, you started to see some of the guys kind of grow up last year. I think the Guardians win the division. I am going to uh, – to me, second and third is where I'm having trouble because I do think the White Sox are going to be better this year than they were a year ago. Uh, I think you you have some attention to detail there and some accountability, and you don't have a clown who's washed up in the uh, – in the skipper's chair. Uh, but, and and the crazy thing is, is it's just hard to tell um, with the Twins because they haven't really played a ton of their guys. So that being said, I'm going to go Guardians, White Sox, Twins, very closely behind. And I think all three of these teams can contend for a wild card spot. I'm going to say that the that the Tigers are going to finish fourth, um, and the Royals fifth. I just think the Royals and Tigers both have a ways to go, and I think the the Tigers may be a little bit closer. But I think that they are uh, far in the distance uh, from those other three teams in this division. Tanner, what say you on the American League Central? Uh, this is going to be an interesting division. Um, the Twins have 17 outfielders uh, for three slots. I don't, they, 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 got, they have pitching. All of their pitching is iffy. If, if um, oh, geez, jeez, uh, Paddock, if Paddock, if this guy, if this guy, if this guy. It's a lot of ifs and, and buts with 
the with the twins when it comes to Chris Paddock. That's who I couldn't think of his name. If Chris Paddock can stay healthy, if this guy can stay healthy, um, Joey, Joey, how, how many at bats you going to give Joey Gallo before you should realize that he refuses to actually hit the ball the other way? Why do you have seventeen outfielders? Can Byron Buxton stay healthy? They got too much going on. I don't trust the White Sox. I don't trust their pitching. I don't trust their team. They think, you know, Lewis Roberts can't stay healthy. Eloy Jimenez can't stay healthy. Um, I have no idea who the manager is. It's it, it's a lot going on there. Detroit, will Spencer Torgerson stop trying to live up to the hype and just play? Just relax and play. Uh, I got Cleveland, Kansas City. Cleveland, Kansas City. I'm missing a team. Minnesota, Detroit, and who am I missing? The White Sox. Oh, okay, no. Cleveland, Kansas City, White Sox, Detroit, and I got the Twins pulling up the rear. Oh, okay. Uh, So let's go now to the... National League Central, I'll go first on this one. I think at the end of the day, I, I think this division is going to be highly contested between two teams. Um, I think the Cardinals have a lot of good pieces, and they got some prospects on the way up. Jordan Walker's the guy to really look out for this year. Um, I like the Cardinals to win this division. I like Milwaukee to finish second, but be a strong wild card contender just because they have a ton of pitching. Now, if they don't uh, contend or they're not in contention, come trade deadline, Corbin Burns may get moved. But uh, Corbin Burns, you can make a case for being uh, one of the top three or four starters in the game. And then you still have Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and those guys behind him. And they got uh, they did some things to address their offense in the, in the offseason. They got a couple uh, prospects on the way up as well. Look out for Jesse Winker. I think he could have a bounce back year um, in Milwaukee this year, too. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals, Brewers. I think the Cubs are a clear third-place team in this division. I don't think they're going to contend with the other two, but I think they are uh, considerably better than the last two teams in the division, and those two would be Cincinnati followed by Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh still has an interesting piece to watch in O'Neill Cruz, and Brian Reynolds is an okay player. He's not worth what they were trying to get for him in a trade. But some of the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates in the AL Central, and I'm going to then give that one to you, Chandler, and see where you want to go with the NL Central. NL Central is always the Cardinals. I don't care what they're doing at the All-Star break. They're going to win that division. Um. The Brewers lost that clubhouse when they traded Josh Hader last year. I don't believe the, I don't believe the players believe that the organization wants to win. So I got them finishing fourth. Um, Cardinals, I keep losing teams. You guys know my brain don't work. Cardinals said the Brewers. Who else am I missing here? Reds are going to be last. I'm missing two teams. Pirates and Cubs. Yeah. Pirates and Cubs. I have the Cubs finishing second. 
I got the okay, Pirates so got, third. So you got, got Cardinals. You got Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates, Pirates Brewers, Reds. Brewers, Reds. Yeah, because um, I think the Cubs are going to be way better than people think. Um, Cody Bellinger is going to have a monster season. I like what they're doing. They, they, I like what Chicago's doing and like the manager. Um, and I think this is the season that the Pirates' young players, I, the fact that they brought back McCutcheon, I think is going to do wonders for that clubhouse. It's going to get O'Neill Cruz relaxed. If you have not seen O'Neill Cruz play, you won't get to see a six-seven stud, five-two guy at shortstop. Listen, I like what the Pirates got. I hate their management, but I think the team is going to win in spite of their management, not because of their management. All right, Sirius, you on the um, NL Central? All right, I'm, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. Um, I think the Cardinals will win this division. Um, I think the Chicago Cubs will come in second. The Milwaukee Brewers will come in third. Um, then the Reds and the Pirates. As, as much as the Pirates um, have done this offseason, I'm, I'm a legit yender. You know, so I'm, you feel me? Like, I, I, I was born and raised in, in Pittsburgh. I have seen two seasons when they have been halfway decent. Even if they start out good, you know, like Chandler said, the Cardinals will find a way to win the division. The Pirates will find a way to lose the division. They would they, they just find a way. Right? So, for all intents and purposes, I, again, I want to be wrong. I think the Pirates end up at the bottom of the division. All right, fellas, we have less than 10 minutes left, 929-477-2759 is our calling number. I want to hit the two best divisions in baseball, in my opinion, this year. Um, I hit the two East divisions, and I guess I will go with the National League East first, since both of my uh, both of my co-hosts today are fans of the Yankees. Um, so I'm going to go with you, Chandler, first in the National League East. I got Braves, Mets, or Mets, Braves. I think that's going to be honestly go down to literally the last day of the season. But it's going to be Mets, Braves, one, two. And pick the order. You, I think Philly's the third. Um, good God, why can't I remember anything today? Marlins and Nationals. Nationals. Oh, yeah. Well, again, take your pick. I like what the Marlins. I like what the Marlins are doing. With young players. I'm glad they got rid of Don Mattingly. He was a terrible manager. I like the Nationals getting young talent. But honestly, it's three teams in the National League East and two teams that you know are in purgatory. So, I so Braves met Philly. <laughs> All right, sir. You in the National League East? Yo. So I think the Phillies actually win this division. I think, you know, I just think they're trying to win the division. I think the Braves would be second. I think the Mets uh be third. Um, and then the Marlins would be fourth. And I think the Nationals struggle to win 50 games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the story in the National League East is going to be the bullpens. Edwin Diaz out for a while, another whole season probably. Uh, Iglesias for the Braves' shoulder soreness today is not going to throw up for seven days and then try to come back. So we'll see. They said it's minor when it comes to shoulder soreness, but we know how that can linger. And the Phillies' bullpen's kind of been a train wreck uh, the last couple of years as well. 
Uh, I think at the end of the day, the Phillies are riding a lot of momentum uh, from the World Series last year. You're going to be missing Harper for a while. Now you're going to be missing Hoskins. I do think Trey Turner is a tremendous pickup for them. I think Trey Turner um, should be drafted first or second in every fantasy league probably this year. Um, But to me, and not just because I'm a fan, I've said this about other teams and other divisions too, but when you've won that many in a row, uh, you got to come through Atlanta. And so until they get knocked off, um, I'm going to go Braves. I think the Mets have the talent to finish second. I think the Phillies finish third. Um, you know, I think you could see those two teams flip-flopped. I also think that both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. I think the Marlins, just because of their pitching, will probably finish ahead of the Nationals. Uh, and I agree with you. I don't think this Nationals team is going to be good, but I think there are some players on this team, uh, like Abrams and like Luis behind the plate. Um, there are some players on this team that are going to take their lumps and be uh, better for it in the long run and be a part of a winning uh, franchise in the future. Uh, real quick, um, I'm going to go with you first, uh, Sirius, on this last one. And since it's my uh, my co-host division, I'll let him save him for last. Uh, we got about five minutes left. Uh, Sirius, let's go with the American quick. League East. I'll make it quick. I'm going to go Yankees. Uh, Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, Red Sox. Oh, Blue Jays in fourth. Okay, that's interesting to me. Uh, and then you, Chandler, in the American League East? Uh, Yankees, Orioles, Rays, mm. uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox. The Blue Jays pitching concerns me. I don't know that they have enough. I do think moving the fences in, I think this offense is going to take another step forward. Um, I think the Yankees find a way to win the division. I think the Orioles are going to take a step back this year before they take a bigger step forward next year. I'm going to go Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox. We all consensus believe the Red Sox will finish at the bottom. Uh, Next week on Roundtable Gumbo, uh, we will get into uh, other predictions for the year, uh, MVP-type picks, rookie year, that kind of stuff, where we see uh, players to watch, maybe even kind of go through and see, you know, one or two players to watch on each team and see uh, Chandler and I will trade off and see what we can uh, we can throw out there for you. Uh, but, you know, being in the last five minutes, I just want to ask as we uh, get ready to, you know, get all this cleaned up and uh, dishes put away, does anybody else have anything else they want to throw out there real quick before we sign off today? Nope. That silence definitely helps me a lot. Serious, man, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. I'm glad you joined us. We, Chandler and I are doing this every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, so feel free to come by and uh, and grab a, grab a bowl. And, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely serve up the gumbo with some spice on it, man. So uh, feel free to come by and uh, enjoy with us any Thursday night that you uh, are free and available. Uh, that being said, sir, let me pass it to you. Uh, plug in and close out anything you want to promote as we shut the doors here. Therese, you muted. Oh, I thought I, my fault. My fault. I'm here talking on mute, man. You know what, fellas? It's such a pleasure, a pleasure to be here with you guys. You know, on, on, on your Thursday show, man. Here's the deal, man. I, I, I say this a lot. 
um, and, you know, and, and lighter what's going on around the kitchen, man, I will say this, man. When, when all else fails, remember, you know, family is not so much, you know, how what you're born with, it, but it's, it's the company you keep. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's, it's a privilege to, 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 to do life with you gentlemen. Uh, prayers up to, to the homie villain. I was talking to him today. Uh, so prayers up to him as, as, as he deals with, you know, his, his loss. Um, and Lord willing, we'll be back in the building uh, another time to do what we love, man. God bless. Catch up with you guys in the next one. Thank you, serious man. My pleasure to have you, Chandler. You know how we do it, man. Anything you want to say as we get ready to shut the doors here? A lot of fun, serious. Glad you came. And the only thing I'm going to say is, P. Morant, I need you to stop trying to be bigger than your son and be a damn father. Other than that, hope everybody has a great weekend, man. And remember, it's John Wick Eve. Get yourself a gun. <laughs> uh, so real quick, before I close out, I said I was going to update this. And I, I really wanted to take a little bit more time on it, and I may do this next week. But, uh, Chandler, bear with me for a second. We did have one four-time champion, not two, uh, Yanni Diakamahalas from Cornell, from upstate New York, pulled it off. He is now the fifth member of the four-time NCAA National Championship Club. Uh, Spencer Lee got upset in the semifinals and medical forfeited out to sixth place. So uh, he he made it there but didn't pull it out. But I will tell you guys, you want to see an exciting match, go watch the 133 finals. You can find it on YouTube. Roman Bravo Young against Vito Arrugia from Cornell. Uh, he pulled the upset the kid from Cornell did and ended a 56-match winning streak for the senior from Penn State. It was an exciting, exciting match and a lot of fun. Um, it's what upsets are made of in sports, and it's one of the reasons why we love them. So it was a lot of fun. Penn State won the team crown um, as expected. But, man, don't forget, phiapparel.co, you chefs at checkout. Much love to TP, the big homie. Without him, I wouldn't be here. Respect to you, Chandler. I always enjoy doing this. Cheers. Glad you came by. Prayers up to the villain. As we say in Louisiana, man, laissez, lay bon ton, roulette. And as the big homie uh, TP always reminds us as we get ready to sign off, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Peace. We out here. Play Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Enjoy the ride, sip something, light it up, enjoy the ride, cause the Sports City Chefs is on tonight.